0: Hey, guys, Anna Kasparian here from The Young Turks. If you care about what's going on in the country these days, I'd highly recommend checking out The Young Turks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to me on my weekly show, No Filter, where I break down important news for the week and give you my unfiltered point of view. Subscribe to these shows wherever you get your podcasts or check out more at tyt.com.
1: That was Anna Kasparian of The Young Turks. I'm so excited to have Anna joining me live on stage at the ace hotel downtown los angeles it's thursday april 4th if you're in town i hope we see you there i'm not really a politics guy but uh anna's passion enthusiasm is infectious and the stuff she talks about is really important uh we're going to dig into her journey some crazy stuff she's been through trying to build a career in journalism we're going to talk about where politics and culture meet uh and most importantly We have an open bar, thanks to our friends at Lipstick and Vinyl. I probably should have started with that. I really hope to see you there. It's Thursday, April 4th. Go to rebelradio.net slash events to get your tickets now.
2: Hey, what's up? This is Silva, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh.
0: What's up, this is Rebel Radio. What up, what up, this is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy, it's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel
2: Radio. We're in the place right here.
0: Ah. Rebel Radio is going down.
1: Would you say Rebel Radio?
2: Oh, wait, let's do it again.
1: Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. Check it out. My guest in studio today is Silva. She's a busy, busy woman. She's a producer, DJ, host, radio personality. She has the, uh, the Future Factory show on Dash Radio. She hosts Dim Studios on uh, iHeart's Evolution Radio. She has a show on the streaming app Wave, and she's got some great stories to share with us about building her confidence, uh, making people comfortable, basically how she approaches everything she's doing and and where she's heading with that. We have some fun talking right after this, our track of the week from EDM.com. Yo, that was BYOR and space food with Get Back to EDM.com Track of the Week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And right now, let's get into the interview with Silva.
2: I did a q and I was, you know, typing in my life story.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And I was reading it and I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, that, I feel like it was just yesterday. I was yeah. going to raves and you know Mm -hmm. how that goes and all Mm -hmm. of that and fast forward now i'm like oh my god so much time has gone by yeah that's life
1: totally it's funny so i read that article and you know i'm curious like you could tell that it was uh written not live i don't know why i don't know what about it but as i was reading it i was like yeah I, i feel like this was like an email thing
2: yeah, right? that's how they do their yeah. interviews. I don't think they do any of them in person. Yeah,
1: it's not wrong. It's just different. And then, but I'm curious, like, you know, because you do live interviews. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That it, it just, I'm sure that must feel different.
2: Totally. Yeah, I kind of compare it to uh, watching a television show and then watching a play. A television mm. show there's so many takes they can retake right. it retake it so they get it just right you sure. know if you're writing in your Q&A you can be like oh I don't like that or mm-hmm. I sound weird I shouldn't say that you yeah. know but and when you're live you only have one take to do it so right. you got to really think about what you're asking especially if you're the host because you're directing that ship you got to maneuver out of things if it gets weird
1: totally so let's see if it gets weird today and we let's can get weird maneuver out I'm
2: ready to get weird
1: um, uh, well, I want to, you're going to give me some interviewing tips. All right. So, um, thanks for coming.
2: Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm
1: excited to talk to you and, and learn about everything you're up to. You sound like yeah. very busy. Yeah. Um, so take us back to the beginning before you were a DJ and host and everything you're doing.
2: Take you back to the old school? Yeah, sure. All right, cool.
1: Um, do you remember the first record you ever bought?
2: Yeah. Um well I bought
1: 2
2: mm-hmm. Um I bought Big cr- Yeah, bought two. I bought um Crazy Sexy Cool from okay. TLC.
3: Yeah.
2: And I bought Jagged Little Pill from Alanis Morissette. Nice. You know, those were my prized possessions growing up, and they got jacked at a crazy house party that I threw in Riverside, In like, I don't remember the year, but they got jacked. I, I remember really having, about like, it.
1: records stolen. That was a bummer.
2: Super sad. I mean, they're so sentimental, and I'm... I kind of like to hoard things, because I put emotional bonds on them, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was, like, the first time I ever...
1: What do you hoard today?
2: Well, you know... I try not to anymore, but if yeah. it's sentimental like that, like music or letters or cards, birthday cards, like yeah. I just like to save them.
1: I do too. I have like every letter that's ever been written to me mm-hmm. somewhere. Not all the cards, but like anything that's more than just like happy birthday. Yeah. I save those. And I always think I'm going to look back at them have never have. I know. But, you know, there's some comfort knowing they're there. There is,
2: yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are the first uh, records that I bought. And yeah. I've just always been into music. Um, when I was little, I got really into musical theater. Oh, wow. I was, obs- I was, I like to say I'm an only child because my brother and my sister are so much older than me. There's like mm. a 14-year age gap. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I got really into like Phantom of the Opera and okay. Funny Girl as like an eight-year-old. Right. So, Not
1: performing, though? No. Okay. Just the soundtrack. Did you ever get on stage? No. No.
2: No, I was a really shy kid, like yeah. extremely introverted and shy, so. um
1: When did that change for you?
2: Uh Probably after high school. Yeah, I moved out here and, you know, I dabbled in acting and stuff like that. And I started taking acting classes and meanwhile also going to raves and massives and festivals. Mm-hmm. So I've just always had music in my life in some capacity, playing piano. Yeah. So.
1: And when was the first time you dj DJed or performed in front of the crowd?
2: That's a good question. I mean, I've been DJing for a long time, so I remember just, you know, going to house parties and making playlists for people or just, you know, being in charge of curating the music or the vibe in some way. But mm-hmm. I would say probably like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Do you remember the feeling? Of, like, doing it in front of people and...
2: Oh, yeah, you know, it's like that meme, yeah. you know, when when you have the aux cord and everyone's like, this is fire, and you're, like, looking at them. It's just, you're like, yeah, I know. Yeah. I have good taste in music. I know that sounds pretty uh, pompous, but it's just something that I always felt very secure with because I was around so much different kinds of music all the time.
1: What, so what kind of... What what drew you to dance music? Like, why? Why'd you fall in love with dance music?
2: Hmm. Okay, so this is how this is what I first remember with dance music. When I was younger, I was probably like nine or ten years old. My sister, who's about nine ten years older than me, this was in the '90s. So I remember she used to always play, you know, a lot of oldies, and you know, just kind of. With, but was popular back then.
1: Like what what kind of oldies?
2: Oldies in the sense like, like to
1: me oldies means a certain thing.
2: Okay, so oldies I'm I'm Mexican, yeah. so we're big on oldies. Yeah. So it would have been like I'm like drawing up like um just kind of stuff like you would hear like on a low rider compilation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like oldies and funk, yeah. like Zapp and Roger. We're um, on the same page. Or even in the eighties, like a lot of Prince and Vanity. Mm-hmm stuff like that. Um, But I remember when she played, she had a cassette tape of a single and it was uh, Set You Free by Planet Soul. Mm -hmm. And it it was like, it's essentially an acid house track. And I remember hearing that as a kid and just being like, what the hell is this? Like, what is this? And that was like my first memory of electronic music. And then from then on, You know, I would listen to different artists back when it was still called electronica. Mm -hmm. Like, I would go to Warehouse with my dad and go through the dollar cassettes and find things like, um, you know, Prodigy and just random things that I would find. And then as I got older, just listening to, you know, Deep Dish and just kind of like whatever I could get my hands on, like Sasha and John Digweed, Mm -hmm. I really dug through Mm -hmm. that yeah. Listening to a lot of uh, Moon Tribe okay. in high school. Yeah. And I was kind of like one of the only teenagers growing up that was listening to that. You know, most of my friends were listening to, you know, a lot of emo music and mm-hmm. alternative rock, which I still enjoy now. But... uh those are my earliest
0: memories of that.
1: It's funny you mentioned, you know, electronica. And now we say EDM. Yeah. It was like, you know, there's a, um, I mean, that's a sort of ongoing struggles. Maybe not the right word, right? But, but to find. But the way that genres are defined and to find words that sort of describe those things, but I think especially in dance music, mm-hmm. where none like there's so many different genres and different sounds, and um, they kind of all get lumped together. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's I think it's it's a weird thing because they're different crowds, yeah, in a lot of cases, and um, you know sometimes they don't like I don't know that drum and bass has that much in common with you know hard techno or or whatever right like but um but it all kind of gets lumped together
2: totally i mean that's definitely the great debate sometimes I, if i tell some of my peers when i say electronica they go what's that right you know what i mean so yeah. again going back to my sister i remember her going to a couple of real 90s warehouse raves mm-hmm. and she would tell me oh yeah i just saw that girl that sings that everybody's free. She performed. What was her name, R- Rosella? Rosella yeah. and uh, just listening to you know Black Box and mm-hmm. CNC Dance Factory,
1: CNC Music Factory,
2: CNC Music Factory. Yeah. I always get that confused. And then um, Robin S. Yeah. you know it's funny that I say those are such great records. You know what I mean? And I think about my friend Kalina Zanders, and she reminds me of like the modern day of all of those combined. Is that right? You know what I mean? Amazing vocalist, little side note. But uh yeah, I just remember listening to that as a kid, so I've been digesting this electronic music for so long.
3: It's right in front of me.
1: So um, when did that become a career for you?
2: Well, you know, I started going to parties, raves, massives, or do you want to call them, you know, 13 years ago. And I remember being a young person and just being so transfixed on everything. You know, I always tell people, you know, the word rave, for instance. People think it's, oh, we're raving or whatever. But I remember learning back in the day, like, RAVE is an acronym. So it's Religious Audiovisual Experience, mm-hmm. if I want to take it really deep. And I just remember thinking, I didn't know how or when, but I knew that I wanted to work in this world, in this realm, in some capacity. Because it allowed me to feel comfortable with who I was. Mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of like, you know, you have to, I don't know, i Felt very clicky. Like I, I never sure. felt like I kind of fit into the right click in some way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just loved it. I loved, you know, going to parties and music. How you could always kind of find your way in whatever it is that you liked. Yeah. And then um, when was it? Oh, so I got in a really bad car accident in 2011, 2012, and I got money from my accident. So that's when I was like, oh, well, I want to really try to be a DJ now. Nice. So that's when I was able to, you know, get a computer because getting into DJing is expensive. Sure. Unless you have a friend that has something that you can practice on, which is something that I always did before, mm-hmm. before I was able to afford it. Um, so, yeah, that's when I was able to buy, you know, a controller and speakers and a computer and all that. And then to get a step further, when DubSpot came to L.A. and I was. You know, sometimes DubSpot LA gets a bad rap, but I was fortunate enough to be one of the first round of students that was able to get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met my music mentor who's DJ Rap. She taught me so much like how to DJ and how to produce nice. music, as well as Thavius Beck. I took an Ableton certification program with him. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I learned so much from him and I mean they're both so talented.
1: Yeah. Um you know you mentioned rap and so obviously there's not um uh you know djs are mostly men Mm -hmm. and the you know the dance music business in general is mostly men
2: entertainment
1: entertainment for sure yeah um maybe all business Mm -hmm. um how did that play out for you was there was there um you know you you could look at rap as a role model Mm -hmm. right but what what was um going through your mind in terms of being a woman entering the dance music business
2: you know definitely um i've talked to i've I've spoke to some of my female peers and you know it's funny because i've been doing this for a minute now and it's one of those things it's like i think about my early days of interviewing other females Mm -hmm. and The dreaded question is, what is it like being a female DJ? What is it like being a a female producer? It's like we're all producers, we're all DJs. Um, But at the same time, it's like, but we are females in a man's world. So sometimes over the years, I would have guys come up to me like, oh, you're super dope. How long have you been DJing? Like, I almost kind of felt like I was being tested. Mm. Like, how long have you been doing this? What do you do this? What do you do that? And it kind of got me thinking, well, are you asking your other male friends this? Like, yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, going back to rap, you know, she just put out her book, Intelligent Woman. Mm-hmm. And she's been in the game for so long. I mean, she's a, a pioneer. Yeah. Not just in drum and bass, but in electronic music. And I can't imagine the stories that she has being a woman, being a female back then for sure you know so um it's definitely i i don't want to say there's like a separation but sometimes it can feel that way Mm. a little bit but i mean now at this stage in the game i feel as if there is a even playing field
1: you think so
2: yeah i just don't like you know when so, you know, every year they always put the top 100 top female DJs, like, why can't we all be on there? Right. Like, men and women, why does it have yeah. to just be female DJs? Because then you're kind of, like, pinning everybody against each other, mm-hmm. and it doesn't need to be that way. Yeah. Just, um, I yeah, mean, I there's know. tons of support out there.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I know at some point, I don't know how much it's changed, because I haven't really paid attention, but, mm-hmm. you know, there used to be, like, the lineup, and then there'd, there'd be, like, one woman on the bill. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, like, book Sandra Collins and then nobody else, right? Or, you know, Rashida or Heather or whatever. Um, I don't know. You know, sounds like maybe that's changing.
2: I think it is a little bit. Not enough, though. Not as much as I would like to see, even Mm -hmm. on not, like, music festivals that have all different types of music. Mm -hmm. It's still a majority of men. Sure. I don't know why that is. Uh, I mean,
1: I I read an article this week with um, uh, Paul Tillet from Coachella, Uh and, uh, you know, the writer asked him, you know, they've been criticized for not having enough female headliners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I liked his response, which was, you know, you're absolutely right. We have to do a better job. But he also said, you know, we're drawing from the talent pool that's brought to us by the labels, the managers, the Mm -hmm. agents most of what they're bringing us is men,
3: uh-huh.
1: right? Most of what's on the billboard charts is men. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, he was kind of like, you know, we have to do a better job, but so does everybody else. Like, it can't just all be on us of course. to fill the bill with people a certain way. Like that's the industry. Yeah. I don't know how that changes, but you know.
2: I, I totally know. agree. Yeah, definitely not just women, but sure. POC, people of color as well. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel, so. yeah. I think we're getting there slowly. Yeah. Hopefully, putting that vibe out. Yeah. Thanks for asking questions like that too.
1: I mean, it's really important. It
2: matters. Yeah. This is Future Factory coming straight from Los Angeles. Future Factory. I am Silva, and you're now tuning in to Future Factory on Dash Radio's Electro City.
1: Um. So. Okay. So so you start out in this path. Um, has there been like a break where you felt like, you know, like things are, are happening or you felt like, uh, you know, validated your, your choice to go down this path? Was there a moment when you were like, OK, good, I'm, you know, I'm gone from like aspiring to this is what I do.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I've had a few aha moments. That's mm. what I like to call them. Um. Definitely, you know, my radio show building that I've had future factory at dash for four years now. I'm going on the fourth year and not only that, but, you know, working with wave as well, you know, just every experience, every interview, you can say every gig validates that even more for me where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing this, you know, yeah. Um, working, being the host of Dimbox Studios, that mm-hmm. was a big one, you know, interviewing Claude Von Stroke, Reggie Watts, you know, some of my peers at Dash, you know, just kind of like sitting there where you're having a little moment, like how you and I are, and we're like, yeah. you know, you're kind of like, you know, I'm doing this, so it's not mainly one specific moment, uh-huh. it's just the more I do it, yeah. I feel that.
1: So why did you, so you're, you're, uh, What's the question? Um, Why did you choose to do an interview show or or interviews in addition to just playing music?
2: So, okay, so this is how it started. Um, When I finished Dubspot, I was there for two years, Um, I didn't really kinda know what to do afterwards. It's Mm. like when people usually finish school, they're like, okay, awesome, but what now? What do I do now? Mm
3: -hmm.
2: So, I was always into, you know, making mixes and bedroom DJing and all that, and my husband Peter suggested, oh, well, why don't you just like throw a mix up and introduce tracks? So that's what I would do, and I had this little mix show, you know, I'd throw it up on SoundCloud, it was called Groove Spin,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it was just me making a mix, a one-hour mix, yeah. and talking into a little blue snowball microphone uh-huh. in the closet, because that was like the best acoustics in the in the pad. Sure. And it would just be me introducing myself and the songs. Like, you know, coming up this hour, we got this, this, and this, with the intention of learning Mm -hmm. how to do that. Um, And then once the opportunity came for the show at Dash, um, my husband had been working with Autograph really closely um, pretty early on. And the platform, Dash Radio, had just started, and they were talking to them about having... A show, but they had started a really intense tour schedule, mm-hmm. and I had just finished school. I'd been doing groove spin, and um, I sent them a couple sample shows, and they are like, okay. "Sure." So it was kind of like, "You're up." Nice. And I did it, and yeah. I've been doing it ever since, consistently every week. So I've done—I mean, including all of my shows combined, I've done over 200 and something radio shows.
1: Yeah, amazing. We know what that's like.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, I feel you. You know, deadlines and sure.
1: So yeah, we're in the same. We're coming up on four years. Nice. Hundred. And Congrats. Whatever episodes. Yeah. Um, I'm curious because you know James and I talk about this all the time. How does your, what have you learned since you started, and how is your approach different today than than when you started that show?
2: So a couple of things that I have definitely learned, um. Definitely from mistakes. You know, you listen to some For of your sure. earlier interviews early on where you're like, where you just cringe and, you know, when you're still a novice, but you're trying not to be, you're trying to come off as yeah, professional of as possible. And you ask the wrong questions. Yeah. Um, not so much where, you know, a, I've never had like a guest walk out. It's not like that, but in, you know, I'm so hypercritical of myself and what I'm doing. Um. You know, the way you talk, the, what you're asking, the way you're asking it, yeah. Lear, you know, just things like that, just learning from mistakes. And biggest thing that I've learned is as a person that's interviewing someone, get as much information about your guest as possible. Like up front. Up front. Yeah. And always make them feel comfortable. That's the number one thing, because even when I listen to other radio shows or even watch late night TV, mm-hmm. the reason why they're good is because they're making that guest feel like they're having a one on one conversation and there's no one else out here. Right. So that's the goal.
1: So what's your trick for making somebody feel comfortable?
2: Um, Well, definitely before we even start, I say this is what we're going to talk about. Is there uh-huh. anything you don't want me to ask you? Oh, that's cool that helps because you especially when it's a live interview right you don't want a guest to say I don't want to talk about that
1: yeah of course
2: so that's because that's not only going to make them feel uncomfortable but that's going to make you that's going to derail your vibe you're going to be like oh yeah and uh just again get as much information as possible do your homework yeah listen to their music
1: are there questions where you um that you use consistently That you've learned like that's a great one I should ask everybody that
2: I like to learn where people get their influences from Mm -hmm. like what are they listening to Mm -hmm. and what their process is like how do they set the vibe for themselves to make music you know some people make music very quickly and other people take their time and it can take them six months to make something and and that's fine and that's different for everyone so those are questions that usually work um, yeah just try to be as specific as possible you know don't mm-hmm. I've asked questions like so what are your favorite who are your favorite producers and you're like well there's a ton right you know yeah. be specific you yeah. know who's your favorite you know techno producer who's your favorite drum and bass producer or you just collaborated with so-and-so what's some of their music that you like mm-hmm. what drew you to them so be s- as specific as possible
1: Yeah, that's good. I like to do a lot of research and, you know, sometimes I find myself um, not wanting to ask questions that I've seen in other interviews. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I I wonder if you think about that. Like, for me, it's been, um, you know, I've had to kind of remind myself that people listening to this show maybe haven't seen those interviews. Yeah. So even though it's like, that like you don't always have to uncover something that's never been said before.
2: Yeah, totally. I, I totally feel the same way. Um, it's okay to ask the same questions because you're not going to be the first or last person right. to ask that. Sure. It's okay for them to give the same answer. It's you know even. Non-music related, you, you look at different movie stars when they're promoting their film, they're sure. getting asked the same question yeah, and they're answering it verbatim the same way over and over again. Right. So that's okay. It, they might say it a little bit differently when, mm-hmm. when you ask it and that's fine.
1: Mm-hmm. What's been the biggest um, surprise since you started that show or, or uh, all the shows you're doing?
2: Um, what
1: guest has surprised you?
2: Surprised me... Um, probably, I, I can't think of a guest, you know, I definitely have some of my favorite interviews where they were just so much fun to do. Like, I mean, all of my guests, I I was able so to learn one, something obviously. from. I mean, number one, this one, yeah, obviously. I mean, um, you know, definitely when guests are very candid with you and they share really personal things, yeah. painful things we're in the moment you're kind of thinking like oh wow you know i must be making them feel very comfortable or when they do something crazy funny like when i interviewed justin jay him and all his friends came out and they serenaded me some song from oh, when they cool. were like in choir at usc they were really? all like frat buddies with each other so i thought that was really cool um you that's know just never
1: happened to me
2: it'll happen maybe i'm gonna have to get some friends in here <laughs> to sing to you let's do it um yeah i mean I, I can't think of a, a specific guest where I learned the most from, but I mean, I learned something from all of them and I'm able to take a piece yeah. from each guest.
1: Yeah. What, um, in, in your career overall, what, what's been harder than you thought and what's been easier than you thought?
2: I think the hardest part is making it hard for myself. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, it doesn't need to be as hard. I don't need to put so much pressure on myself to be a perfectionist. Yeah, You know what I mean? We're going to have maybe embarrassing moments or kind of like, oh no, I shouldn't have said that or timing's going to be off a little bit. or mm-hmm. It's okay.
1: What do you do when you catch yourself putting that pressure on yourself?
2: Always remember that your guest is also nervous. Mm. I don't care how big of... whatever that they are or if they're just starting out and this is their first interview Mm -hmm. always remember that because I've learned this with each guest they are also nervous Mm. I don't care how big they are you can just tell you can read people yeah you can see by their hands their body language even if it's on camera you can't really tell on camera that someone's nervous unless they're like physically freaking out but I can tell and that makes me feel better Mm -hmm. you know so just be easier on myself and always Always be in a constant state of learning. Mm. Always have humility and be humble because there's always gonna be someone that's been doing it long enough and that can teach you something or vice versa.
1: Sure. What's been easier than you thought it would be?
2: Um, just trying to keep it, keep it as real as possible with people. You know, I'm not up here, I'm not Diane Sawyer. You know, I'm not <laughs> yeah, doing- she sucks. You know what I mean? No. No, shout out Diane. She's up. Um, she listens to the show. So yeah, uh, just don't be so hard at, on yourself and so hypercritical because it's not easy putting yourself out there. Whether you're uh, doing an interview or if you're on stage DJing, it's gonna. It's just hard putting yourself out there in front of people because you're vulnerable mm-hmm. and people are afraid of being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to be that way because you don't know who's watching or hearing you, you could inspire them and be like, oh, she seems a little bit nervous, or, oh, she's from the IE like me, you know? It's, just always think about that. Don't be so in your head all of the time.
3: Mm.
2: And don't compare yourself to other people. Just focus on, I know it sounds cliche, but just focus on your own journey. It's true. No one can take away your experience. That's the most valuable thing. I mean, I wouldn't want to trade places with anybody.
1: What's up guys, if you're in Los Angeles on Sunday, April 14th, come join us live on stage at the LA Times Festival of Books news story. I'll be interviewing my man, DJ Z Trip. Um, I'm sure you know Z Trip, he's one of the, the best DJs in the world, one of my favorite DJs of all time. We've known each other, I think more than 20 years. Um, since he was uh, uh, still in Arizona working with Radar. And I'm really excited to dig into his stories and do it in front of a live audience. Uh, the, the LA Times Festival of Books is a great event. They had us last year. I got up there with Ali Shahid Muhammad and I can't wait to do it again this year with Trip. That's Sunday, April 14th on campus at USC. Go to events.latimes.com and get your tickets now. what um you know old old guys like to talk about how uh just how much you know clubbing or or partying has changed you know people have phones and cameras and and so um you know now you're on stage djing and you know when you started out you were going to parties
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, do you still see people having that same kind of connection and experience that you did
2: Yes and no. It just depends on the vibe, yeah. depends on the party. Um, you know, obviously if there's like a huge DJ, everyone's going to be on their phones. Right, I don't blame them. Even me, Yeah, you know, anything for the gram. Yeah. But uh, there are other times where I feel like it's, if it's like a little bit more of an underground type of thing, people are going to be more in tune with the experience rather than being on their phone but I mean it's just different you know it's like back in the day when I first started going out th- this was years ago I remember social media didn't exist sure. at all yeah. we all had our little digital cameras with the little tiny screen so you could see what you took afterwards mm-hmm. um that's just part of the times now you know I used to think God, we're all programmed, we're all on our phones, you know. Yes, we are, but it's 2019, and that's just what it is. Yeah. So you can either be against it or you could go with it. Sure. But I try to, personally, when I go out to enjoy music, I like to not be on my phone at all anymore because I want to remember this. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm like this the whole time trying to shoot it, I'm not experiencing what's happening around me.
1: Yeah. You see the flip phones coming back?
2: I'm about it. Someone needs to bring back the razor. That's
1: what they're making, a new razor.
2: They need to, remember, I just, I was having this conversation with someone, like, if I see a sidekick, uh-huh. I'll get it.
1: <laughs>
2: it was like the glory days. I don't think
1: days, it like, to anything anymore.
2: With the, with the little cursor that lit up and. Yeah, sure. The old Nokia ringtones. Uh-huh. Bring those back. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember if, if you had a hot pink razor, you were really cool.
1: I don't know if they're coming back in colors. They are gonna come back.
2: I'm down. Bring everything back. Yeah. Bring everything back.
1: What er- would you bring? What would you bring back?
2: Um, I would bring back definitely flip phones. That's for sure. And uh, I don't know. I think I would leave behind some of the style. Because you know everyone's. But that's
1: do- what comes back, right?
2: That is true. Um, you know everyone's doing their t- 2009 10 year challenge. Right maybe some of the styles can, can stay behind. Cause I look back, I'm like, oh my God, this is tragic.
1: What style of yours, cause I know we all go through phases. Yeah. Are you glad is behind you and not on social media?
2: Oh, style, like fashion style wise? Yeah. Thin, eyebrows. thin eyebrows, thin eyebrows. I always yeah. choke with my friends, with my girlfriends. I'm like, girls in 2019, You know, they're out here with the contouring and Uh the thick eyebrows and Oscar gowns going to prom. Like, they were not struggling like us. We had thin eyebrows, like white frosty lip gloss, Uh French tip nails, just a lot of tanning and a lot of glitter and chunky highlights. So, Mm -hmm. I don't miss that. Okay. Girls don't know the struggle that we went through, so.
1: No, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I grew up in the 80s, so I'm glad that none of that is recorded oh yeah from whatever we went through yeah which I'm not gonna mention yeah um that's so funny I want those um the phones where the cordless phones where you could like sometimes you'd pick up the phone and you'd hear your neighbor's conversation
2: Oh yeah (laughs) where it's like an echo
1: so it was like these, it was a certain, it was like these 900 megahertz, like certain frequency phones yeah. that everybody had. And you'd literally just be, you'd be on the phone and then all of a sudden you'd hear another conversation. Yeah. And it'd be somebody, you know, upstairs or whatever. Uh, and you, you would just hear randoms. And once in a while you could talk to each other.
2: <laughs> what up fam, yeah. <laughs> No, you're upstairs, yeah.
1: Sometimes and sometimes not. Like that was a weird moment. But it's kind of a cool experience because you're not expecting that.
2: It was a, sim- a simpler time. There's an innocence to it all. What I really want to come back is Electro House. Okay. Because that was so fun. Yeah. You know, I want Electro House to come back because that's like all fun all the time. So
1: that's like the mid-2000s. Uh-huh. Okay. I
2: want that to come back.
1: Yeah, well, you could bring that back.
2: We need to throw, I'm going to You could throw a Denmark Tuesday once that in a you while could actually, and really flip you could the actually script. on could happen, right? I sh- I'm going to suggest that. That would be fun. Um, yeah, bring back, like, the the warehouse party. Uh-huh. No, no crazy social media plug and this and that. Just show up. Just keep it simple. Like, go back to the basics. It's okay to do that. And I think it will. Yeah? Everything's cyclical.
1: <clears throat> I mean, I think that's interesting. You know, uh, so I grew up going to warehouse parties, and, you know... We did it It's hard to explain. like I feel like we did that because we had to, and it's not that we didn't want to, but you know, there were no clubs in Hollywood, yeah, right. And so you couldn't just go out. There wasn't like an easy way to go out. Yeah, and I think if there was, we probably just would have done that, right? Mm-hmm. But for us, there wasn't, so we would drive to East LA, we'd drive to Constant Swap Meet. we'd drive to you know random places. The idea now of driving an hour to find a party that may or may not be there. Yeah. Or might have gotten broken up by the time you got there, or whatever, like, maybe that's just because I'm old. But like, that just seems like a crazy way to spend your evening.
2: You'd be on Twitter. They'd be talking smack on Twitter.
1: Right. And you'd find out before it got there, you know, before you got there, if it was popping or not. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I, I think, like, I get. Like, uh, do you think that it really... Ha- like, people have to inconvenience themselves to have those God kind forbid. of ex- experiences.
2: God forbid. You yeah, know, that
1: doesn't seem to be our way.
2: People are tend to be a little bit more sensitive now. Yes. Because um, right away, you know, social media is so prevalent now in our everyday lives, so you can get bla- like put on sure. blast real quick if it's not cracking or if they were inconvenienced in some way. I think... Uh, yeah, you know, it sounds nice in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, bring it back. But at the same uh-huh. time, I'm like, oh, there's, like, a lot of factors that come into play. Yeah. It's just kind of like the times. Sure. I don't know if uh, people can be inconvenienced like that. They're going to feel a little too uncomfortable.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, we're we're all busy and we got too much to do. Yeah. Um,
2: God forbid the line is too long or the drive is too far. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine standing in line for anything now.
2: Yeah. That seems
1: crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, what are lines? What even are lines? Um, yeah, I mean, looking back at it all, I even think of, like, when I go to EDC in Vegas. I remember when EDC was in L.A. Yeah. Back when my—I never did this, for real. I didn't do this around the record. But, like, I remember knowing people that would sneak into all of these massives and— Sure. It was a free for all up in there; like it was crazy, but it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, now, I mean, it's like an entire production. It's like going to Disneyland.
1: Last time I went to EDC was in the nineties. Really? Yeah.
2: PGC. <sighs> I don't remember. I could not tell you. That
1: <laughs> was that was a really long time ago. Weird. And there was a lot of, and it, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like this big. I mean, it was it was a big event, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. But you know, I probably went to have, you know, 50 parties that year.
3: Where, yeah. So it wasn't
1: like, that one really stood out, mm-hmm. you know. I think it was at the Shrine. Okay. Um, so it was way smaller than what it is now. Yeah. But it's amazing what they built.
2: Yeah. It's incredible. It's dope. I yeah. love EDC. I look forward to it every year.
1: Yeah. Um, what are some of the other parties that, that you're excited about?
2: Um... I would like to go to parties that I haven't been to yet. Mm. Um, I would love to go to Burning Man this year. experience? Been. No, I haven't. And, you know, some people are like, no, you're not going to like it. And other people are like, that was the craziest, most incredible thing I've ever been to. Yeah. So I would like to go to that. Okay. Um,
1: Why do you think you wouldn't like it? I
2: think I would love it. Okay. Um, yeah, I just want to see what it's like.
1: See, like, I, w- I think I wouldn't like it, but I kind of want to go anyway.
2: Yeah. Don't, don't go off of someone else's experience.
1: No, it's not that. I just don't like dirt and people.
2: <laughs> Number one, dirt people. Those are the two main things yeah, there.
1: Other than that, I think it sounds great.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely want to try that this year. Okay. And uh, I don't know, just kind of explore things that I haven't seen before. Because I go to a lot of shows. I go yeah. to a lot of festivals. Um, Yeah, just I love live music. So... just try to see artists that I haven't seen before which is kind of hard because I feel like I've seen everybody
1: yeah so dance music's having this like you know I think uh, 2015 was the height of like commercial Mm -hmm. dance music right it's kind of EDM everywhere Mm -hmm. and then now it's in a more underground phase Um, although it's not small but it's not like you know your average person isn't talking about Skrillex yeah right now the way they were yeah um so you you kind of being in it do you see a difference to where things were then and and do you have a sense of where the music's heading
2: yeah i mean for instance i saw this tweet this morning for like radio disney top Mm -hmm. three songs Mm -hmm. Number one was Steve Aoki and BTS. Number two was, I think, Diplo and Ellie Goulding. And mm-hmm. number three was Halsey. Right. You know, it's just, that just shows right there how electronic music has gone from electronica all the way into the mainstream, yeah. into like a different sphere of the mainstream. Absolutely. You know, it's so integrated into top 40 music, things that come out of, the radio in everybody's cars. So I think it's going to kind of go, I, you know what I think and what I would like to see, I think it's going to kind of go back into its basic foundation, even if it has to kind of hibernate in the sense, you know, I think techno is going to get really big. I think house is going to get really big again. It's Mm. like all cyclical. It's like everything kind of makes its return.
1: I just heard people this week talking about how hip hop's over. Like, or, or, you know, like all these things go in cycles. Yeah. And so, you know, I remember, you know, 2016, everyone talking about, oh, dance music is dead. Now it's hip hop. Um, so today's a, or it was two days ago was the first time I heard somebody saying that, like, this era of hip hop is coming to an end. I don't know if they're right or not. But, um, but I'm sure usually once I hear that, then I start hearing that more and more. And so it'd be interesting to see what happens, you know. Everyone, rock's been kind of down for a while. I think think
2: rock's gonna come back. Yeah. I think bands are gonna come back. Yeah. You know, my my husband and I have this conversation all of the time. It's like before the huge EDM boom, it was dance rock, Mm
3: -hmm. and then it was
2: alternative music before that. Yeah. And then it was dance music, and then dance music just kind of like took over everything, and then, you know. I don't know. It just, like, depends. Everything comes back around. Sure. Absolutely. We'll be sitting here in three, four years, and then it's, like, the same. What's it going to be? What's it going to be?
1: Yeah. I don't know. Let's let's find
2: out. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think rock music's going to come back. I think live, you know, a lot of DJs, performing DJs, they're definitely bringing in their show with more live elements. Mm-hmm. You know, triggering things, opposed to just playing on CDJs.
1: I saw a guy at a house party last month who was DJing and playing violin over like instrumentals. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean that's not for everyone. You have to know how to play violin. Of course. Which seems crazy, but um, yeah, that was incredible.
2: Yeah, I mean, people want to see different things, mm-hmm. especially now because electronic music it's. I don't like to say it's saturated, but it's so saturated. There's so many different styles sure. and genres. There's so many festivals. Yeah. You know, there's so many different kinds of festivals. I don't know how people are able to afford to go to all these festivals. There's so many. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well yeah. for electronic music and hip hop. Yeah. So I think the consumer has to kind of as well take a break as, along with the artists and the music and kind of mm-hmm. be like, okay, what am I doing? And their tastes change. Sure you know, people that are into this are going to mature and grow and be into different styles of music as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, dance music seems to be a genre that people kind of grow out of. And obviously there's a lot lot of exceptions to that. Um, But, you know, I think like, you know, it's, it just, there's probably not a ton of people in their forties, fifties who are like still like banging out, you know, rave music or, you know heavy drum and bass or whatever um but you mentioned you know a lot of those early kind of house records i think it's the time we call them techno because we just didn't have
3: yeah
1: language for that mm-hmm. but um but do you see like how much interest do you see in sort of classic dance music
2: for me personally um it's kind of few and far between just because it depends on when people got into listening right. to that kind of music. You yeah. know, like when I talk to my peers and I tell them about like Darren Emerson and John Kelly, they uh-huh. go, What yeah, are you talking what's about? That? Sure. You know, um, I was just even talking to someone recently, and I I sent them a couple links of what I like to listen to, because I still like to listen to EDM music. I -hmm. I still like music with a lot of vocals, because it takes me back to a time when I was super young and just getting out there. Um, It just kind of depends when you were introduced how deep into the rabbit hole you were.
1: Sure.
2: I was deep in it, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, in general, there's an argument that our, our tastes are, you know, 15 to 25 is kind of our our time when our music taste really forms yeah, for most people and, and they kind of stick with that so that's why there's classic rock and that's why you know k-day can exist as a classic hip-hop station mm-hmm. right because there's a generation that grew up with that
3: mm-hmm.
1: um you know i haven't seen as much of that in dance music yeah right there, there doesn't seem to be so much interest like dance music in general is more about like what's new
3: yeah
1: um but you know for me like i've I'll put on Rosala or you know some of those old records and like because,
2: some Kiyoki uh, Yeah,
1: maybe not so so much Kiyoki, but <laughs> um, actually for me I have a I have like a to me the height was a, was like two thousand
3: mm-hmm.
1: house music so like Stardust mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't know. There's a playlist there, but, uh, but that's just me personally. Like those records that really take me back to that era. Yeah. Um, Groove Armada.
2: Oh, Bible right there. Groove Armada. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, even in, if you want to go back to the nineties music, there was still so much, we didn't realize it though. There was still so much electronic music that was more of like the pop electronic music. Like, yeah groups from overseas Mm -hmm. you know ace of base Mm -hmm. or aqua stuff like that yeah you know that's probably kind of like when people think of that that's their early memories of listening to that whether you knew it or not sure yeah still around
1: yeah so you mentioned mentors um what what's something that you've learned from
2: from from well definitely i mean not only dj rap being my music mentor but my husband as well you know he's been in music for 23 years um it's not an easy road Mm -hmm. it's not going to be easy for anyone however time is on your side because in in that time you're going to be able to learn so many things about your craft and the business but you're also going to learn so many things about yourself and it's kind of time is that filter that's going to teach you the good and the bad, what to do and what not to do. So, you know, I, I just told a friend, you know, we say we have all the time in the world, mm-hmm. but time is the only thing you can't get back. That's right. So you better use it carefully.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I think in most careers, um, people generally understand there's a kind of progression mm-hmm. to things, right? Um, usually, I don't know, I know the world's changing and the way people work is changing, but typically, like, you know, you start a career in your 20s and then in your 40s, you're doing much better at it. Yeah. Right? And so music's sort of usually the opposite. mm mm-hmm. um, Where, like, the number of musicians in their 20s, you know, is exponential to the number of musicians in their 40s. Totally. Um, and that's probably not the way it should be
2: yeah yeah just don't uh, i recently i just said it this morning i i, I always say it with musicians and with actors I Go. oh my god so-and-so has had such a long career yeah such a long career it's because i think that's just kind of your own experience and not getting i don't want to say caught up but it's easy to get caught up and different things that can hold you back sure that could be anything that could be experience that could be self-doubt that could be other things you know it just depends
1: yeah yeah and i think you know a lot of people don't don't enter it with that in mind
2: mm-hmm.
1: right like <clears throat> i think you know if you asked most of the djs starting out today they're probably not going to say my goal is to have this to be doing this for 30 years and making a living at it mm-hmm right there you know usually people's goal is to blow up tomorrow and in very rare cases does that a even happen at all and b does it last
2: yeah you know I totally agree with that and also being someone that has been doing this for a while you know when (laughs) I was first starting out I probably had the same kinda mindset Of course you know what I mean but looking back at it now Yeah, you can go, but you're also going to do this, you're going to nosedive, you know, you can have all of this, but if you're not ready for it, whatever it is in whatever capacity, it's going to show, you know, if you rush anything, it's Mm going to show. So, um, I'm all about taking my time with my craft because I don't want to ever look rushed. So,
1: so with that in mind, what are you working on next? What's the next goal?
2: Working on music, working on original music, um, and just, you know, continuing to do what I do with my shows and continuing to grow. And I just want to try to help people that are aspiring to do the same things as much as possible. Mm. Because, you know, sometimes I feel as if, you know, people keep their experience or whatever their tricks of the trade, whatever it is that they do to make their work work Mm -hmm. they kind of keep it like this and they don't want to share it with anyone but I feel the opposite I want to help others you know people ask me like how do you do this how do you do that I go number one just start doing it Mm -hmm. there's no secret formula you know it's like with producing music it's how do you find your sound I forgot who I saw recently on on Twitter I think it was like Born Dirty or someone else But they said um, your sound isn't just going to knock on the door one day and say, hi, I'm here. Mm. It's just going to take you working on music every single day. Same with DJing. It's like, yeah, you're going to go through the I suck phase for a while, but Mm -hmm. you have to push through that. Just like you have to push through being tired or working all day on a project and not wanting to complete it. You just have to push through that and set limits for yourself and not be so hard on yourself
1: yeah um yeah i totally relate to that the reason the reason i'm not a good dj today is because i kind of gave up at a certain point i didn't really give up but i was like yeah i'm not good at that i'm gonna focus my energy on something else and um that's okay but if i had like I, i there was a moment that if i had continued then i'd be good enough today
2: you could still be good enough yeah it's
1: never too late no but i'm focused on other things yeah learning to play tennis and
2: oh nice yeah um
1: you know it's really it's what you said it's like how much time are you going to devote to something and what are what are your what choices are you going to make with how you spend your time
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and so at a certain point i decided not to spend my time on becoming a better dj which um isn't necessarily the right or wrong choice it's just but you know it took me until later that I realized that i had made that choice
2: and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I learned not to dwell on things or beat myself up on things and focus on like, Oh my God, I should have done that. No, let's move forward and Mm -hmm. moving forward. Tell myself that all the time. Okay. Moving forward. Not going to do that again.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, for me, the lesson was to pay attention to when I'm making those choices. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, at the time, again, it wasn't like, it wasn't a conscious choice. It just sort of happened. Yeah. And which is, it's not that it was the wrong decision, but it was like, you know, I think now if I'm faced with a similar situation, I'm a little bit more aware that like, okay, I'm making a choice to go over here and not over there. Yeah. So, like, is that really the choice I want to make?
2: Yeah. that's And that's okay. Just yeah. being uh, gentle with yourself and your decision making,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and not thinking so, you know, we're emotional people, especially when it comes to the arts. Absolutely. You know, you, art is created off of emotion, but at the same time, kind of try to separate making decisions based on emotion and fear because that will really get you caught up. Yeah. You know, and that's where the self-doubt comes into play and the why did I do that and ultimately can hinder you from doing certain things. Um, That just takes time. That's Mm -hmm. just like making mistakes over and over again.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. Okay, I have a lightning round. Nice. um, That I have to ask you before we get kicked out of here. Nice. And it is... It's coming. What's your favorite city to travel to?
2: Mm, so far, believe it or not, I love Vancouver. Really? I love Vancouver.
1: You know that's been on my list for a while. I've never been, but I've actually I've been trying to get a, a trip up there.
2: It's beautiful, yeah. it's extremely clean, and they really care about their people out there. Nice. I love Vancouver.
1: Who's your favorite DJ?
2: My favorite DJ... I don't know. That's a really good question. Um... I don't know. I'm going to have to... I, I actually don't know.
1: Who's the last person you saw play live that blew your mind?
2: Um... I mean, live, I would have to say, I mean, I love Nicole Mudaber. Okay. Her sets are dope. The Black Madonna, Green Velvet I just saw, you mm. know, he, that's all vibe. Sure. That's all based off of vibe. So anyway, I mean, I love house music. Yeah. Derek Carter, DJ Heather, you know, people that are just really setting the vibe and putting in that sexy groove, that yeah. bass line, I'm down. Me too. Black Coffee. Mm. I ha- Black Coffee Live is incredible. Like, he's all vibe, so. Yeah. House music.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he was my favorite set at Coachella last year. Yeah.
2: Black Coffee's amazing. Yeah. I saw him at a Cir- Circle Loco. Oh, cool. For Halloween, like, two, three years ago. And nice. He was dope.
1: What's the last great book you read?
2: Um, I love biographies. Mm. Um, I really love... Born Standing Up by, oh, me too. by um, Steve Martin, because I love stories that are based in Los Angeles, you know, because this is where I'm yeah. from. This is my home, especially in entertainment. And just that's someone who really like put in the work early on and just kind of seeing someone start from nothing all the way to the top. And they have moments of feeling like they lose everything and then coming back. So I would yeah. probably say that one.
1: I mean, that's such a great book. and So good. And, you, know, you know, just what you talked about, kind of taking your time and working on your craft, right? So, like, he tells a story. He started out as a magician mm-hmm. at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Back when Disneyland was, like, not $120 a ticket. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a place people would show up and he was doing little stupid magic tricks.
2: Mm-hmm. Or he did the safari cruise, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So that was Incredible. probably fun.
1: That's so great. That's
2: a great book. I feel like artists should read that book.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: That was a really good one.
1: Um, What movie have you seen the most in your life? Funny Girl. Really?
2: With Barbra Streisand. I wore out the tape as a little kid. That's cool. Yeah, Funny Girl.
1: I wonder if they'll remake that.
2: I hope they do. I heard something that they're going to redo it with Lady Gaga and Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, wow. That would be incredible. Um, yeah, Funny Girl. Just the story. I just everything.
1: thought of a movie the other day. I want to remake it. Not, not, I can't remember what it is.
2: Episode two. You can let, you can let me know. <laughs> That's right. Which one?
1: What dis- uh, tell me one decision that changed your life forever.
2: Uh, to buy DJ equipment instead of buying property with my money. Nice. Because my parents, you know, they do real estate and they yeah. wanted me to buy, invest it into like a duplex in the IE. And I said, no, I want to I get DJ equipment.
1: Mm.
2: That was a, very profound. It's a big moment. Yeah, because my life would have been totally different.
1: Sure. Complete this sentence for yourself. I don't have talent. I have blank.
2: I have wisdom.
1: Love it. So if I worked for you, What's something I would hear you say over and over?
2: If you have time to get faded, you have time to work. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) That might tell us about the people that work for you.
2: You have time to get faded, you have time to work.
1: Who would you be most excited to learn admires your work?
2: Ooh. I mean, anyone that I admire. Like, if... I don't know. I mean, maybe if... uh, I mean, probably, like, the Chemical Brothers or something like that. I mean, I love them so much, and I'm going to see them in May at the Shrine. Nice. Um, that would be dope. That would be incredible. Cool. Probably them.
1: Love it. Thank you for doing this. Thank it's you. So much for talking to you. Yeah, um, thank you. How is everyone going to find you? And let's, let's plug the show so we make sure everyone knows about it all
2: the shows. Okay, well, uh, you can find me, Silva Official Music, across all socials, except Twitter, it's DJ Silva Official. Okay. Future Factory Radio is on every Friday night from eight to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Dash Radio's Discover Channel. Nice. And uh, you can hear me as well as the host of Dimwok Studios every Thursday, seven to eight Pacific Standard Time on iHeart Radio's Evolution Radio. That's a lot. That's a lot.
1: Awesome. Yo, that was Silva on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars, of course. Spotify. Hit us on Twitter, Facebook. It's at Rebel Radio Net. Uh, You can also check out videos of some of our episodes on our YouTube channel. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.